This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, the show that talks all things outdoors in Paul Bunyan Country, or as we like to call it, paradise. Today we're talking ducks. We have the new regional director of Northern Minnesota of Ducks Unlimited, Dalton Rosine, in to talk about the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Bemidji Ducks Unlimited Banquet, and Scotty Anderson, the former Regional Director of Northern Minnesota, also in to talk about that and about his new role as the National Non-Traditional Fundraising and Promotions Director. Plus, we check in with the aquatic biologist. It's all coming up next. Welcome to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Well, it's that time of year. It's Ducks Unlimited time. The Bemidji Banquet is coming up Thursday, September 9th. So we've got uh, our usual guest this time of year, Scott Anderson. Probably his last time in this role as he's moved on. He's a big dog now. You know, he's gracing us with his presence one more time. Uh, and Dalton Rosine is the new regional director of Ducks Unlimited. Uh, bo- both of you guys, uh, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having us. Well, let's start with you, Scott. Uh, you've got a new role with Ducks Unlimited. Uh, what is your new role? Yeah, so I've moved into, it's it's a national level position where I'm working on, it's called, called non-traditional fundraising and promotions. It's it's kind of doing some work uh, to help the, the guys that uh, are in my were in my position, like Dalton, uh, do a little fundraising. I'm just working on it at a national level versus a local, you know, regional or state level. So just running ideas, building uh, promotions up for them, and uh trying to run with things that can help them do their jobs better. So does this mean more travel for you or? Uh, less frequently, but longer distances. So it'll <laughs> be out of state, but I won't be like Dalton running around every night or every weekend going to banquets and meetings. And you, But you still get to live in the Bemidji area. I do, yep. And I'm still pretty involved with that chapter as well, too, just because, you know, it's one of those things once you're involved, it's hard to get out of it and you just like doing it. So was that something you were interested in or something that uh, was presented to you or how did this come about? Uh, yeah, it was presented to me. Um, it's, it's a brand new position and it was something that uh, my now new boss was uh, bringing up to me and we just kind of explored that option and ran with it. So give me an example of uh, what non-traditional fundraising would be. Right. Well, so actually a really good example that's uh, most people around here will know about is, uh, well, now about a year and a half ago at uh, Bemidji State, the chapter there brought in uh, what, what the, the group called Meat Eater. It's Steve Renellick, Ryan Callahan. We, it was a really big event that was extremely successful, and that kind of opened our the eyes up of people uh, that there's more that we can do to bring information to our members but also raise money for conservation at the same time. That's just not the standard come in, sit down for the banquet, auctions, raffles, things like that. And so that that, that event kind of really kicked a lot of this off, and uh, we've just been exploring different things from there. Dalton, let's talk uh, with you. Uh, you've been with the DU, you mentioned before we started going, for a few years, but uh, new to this position. Yep, absolutely. I started as a volunteer at Gustavus Adolphus College, was a chairman there for three years, and then got hired on with the Ducks down in southern Indiana for three years, was an RD down there, and... I got wind that Scott's position was opening up, and lo and behold, I got the position and ended up moving to northern Minnesota. So I'm excited to hit the ground running and get to know everyone in northern Minnesota and get back to my roots here. So Gustavus Adolphus, so you were, you're from Minnesota originally? Yes, yep, Nicollet area. Okay, and, and now you're up in God's country. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you've only been in this position for a month and a half, uh, and so you're really just starting to know people and know what's going on, but what are your initial thoughts? There is so many lakes up here, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> I don't know why more people don't move up here. Hey, don't say that too loud. 
You know, we kind of <laughs> like it this way. It's okay. Fishermen <laughs> up here are far better than people in the South, so <laughs> there's no competition down there. <laughs> uh, so, Dalton, um, we've got uh, the the annual big event uh, that uh, comes about this time every year, the uh, the DU Banquet. Tell us about what's, uh, what's happening in a couple weeks. Yep, so the 50th anniversary Bemidji Banquet is going to be a big one this year because we're back at full capacity. New event center this year at the Sanford Center. Date is September 9th. Tickets are available at mndu.org. And every adult ticket in the door gets a free $20 gift card to LM Fleet here in town. Thank you for the gift card for that promotion as well from LM Fleet. Um, tickets will be available, but purchase online to guarantee that you can get in because with all the COVID restrictions hopefully staying lifted, people are going to want to get out. And we're already got probably over 100 pre-sold tickets and we got two weeks to go so okay. tickets will start filling up fast here um is there uh, d- being in sanford is there a masking issue there or at this point or do we know no there's n- uh, no restrictions right now okay so, and, and that was part of the reason we wanted to look at that as an option um we loved being at the hampton inn it was great service uh we were just starting to outgrow it and um we, the only complaints we had was that it was just a little little bit too close to the elbows when you're walking around so we wanted to find a different location to just to try to see if we can spread people out a little bit and give people some more elbow room and uh, bring more people in because we, usually we sold out and uh, we obviously could still sell out at this location. So it's, it is a good idea to get your tickets early because they start flying in faster the last two weeks. You know, it's uh, something you can talk about with your history here more than Dalton can at this point is just uh, what good news that is that you're getting, you're getting so big that you, you need to move to a bigger venue. Yeah, it's it's great to see the support. Um, obviously, when it comes down to it, the more people we have, the more we're able to raise for conservation. And, you know, Minnesota's always, and especially up in northern Minnesota and Bemidji area, has been big support of Ducks Unlimited and just conservation in the outdoors in general. So it's great to see people keep coming out, wanting to come out, and supporting us so we can get more of that work done. Dalton, uh, you, were, you were mentioning, obviously, you did this in college. So duck uh, hunting and conservation and things like that have been part of your landscape for a while. Yep, absolutely. So I grew up uh, just east of Swan Lake, which is the largest prairie pothole in the nation, naturally made anyway. So duck hunting and conservation is just huge in that area. Um, Mm -hmm. Growing up in that area was awesome. So getting introduced to the ducks or the volunteering side of things at Gustavus was just, you know, so much fun because I got to meet everyone on the volunteer side that was passionate about the same things in a very small school that isn't, you know, as popular for outdoor activities like hunting and fishing right but i got to meet some of my best friends that way through this organization and volunteering so it's pretty big passion of mine and i absolutely love it well uh and and then we've got this uh this big event coming which is is again a a huge annual event here in bemidji um what uh, can you tell us about what's actually going to happen that night tickets costs and i know there's usually like couples tickets and things you can get like that uh, give us a rundown on all that yep so single tickets going to be fifty dollars couples ticket is 90 but again with those 20 dollars gift cards the price gets lowered obviously because you get the 20 dollars gift card and then a table of eight is 360 dollars. probably your best deal uh, you get eight people in for the price of seven and then we have our sponsorship packages available as well and those can all be purchased online. And one in every seven sponsors get entered into a sponsors-only drawing. And the more sponsors we have, the higher those gun values get. So the more sponsors we have, we're going to give away more expensive guns and more numbers of them, too. So one in every seven sponsors and one bronze sponsorship for $250 equates to one acre saved 
for the Ducks. Okay. So that's kind of the, the big promotion in Minnesota DU is our sponsor thermometer and, you know, growing our bronze sponsorship sales because that's, that's where the dollars turn into dirt the best way. So this is kind of your bit, first big event since being here. Yes, in Minnesota it is. And uh, as a regional director, and I've talked to Scotty about this before, but um, what is your territory and, and uh, how many more events do you have coming up soon? Yeah, so I actually have uh, one in Purim on September 2nd. We have the Rubber Ducky Race over in Squaw Lake on the 5th. And then we have the Bemidji Banquet on the 9th and War Road on the 11th and Walker coming up on the 16th. Those are the kind of the closer ones in the area, I guess. I mean, War Road's kind of far north, but my region covers anywhere from Grand Rapids west and Walker and north. Okay. All the way over to North Dakota. So pretty big region, but um, Scotty had some big shoes to fill, so Mm -hmm. his prior region was much, much larger, and they kind of felt that having a smaller region would be a lot easier for somebody to step into and divvy up some some chapters to other regional directors that could support them as well. So the the region in itself has gotten smaller geographically, but it's still going to be a powerhouse, and the frozen north will <laughs> still be amazing in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> Scotty, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about what Ducks Unlimited is for and the whole conservation aspect. We've got some serious issues going on this summer with drought. It's got to be affecting wetlands. We know it's affecting water levels and lakes. Wetlands might be not so wet right now. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not even a Minnesota thing. It's its the Dakotas, too, which is critical for waterfowl habitat. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, I, you know, populations are slightly down because, I mean, water is one of the resources ducks need to, to breed. And it's not just, it's to breed, to feed, for shelter, safety, all these different things. And when you start thinking of, yeah, you might have a wetland that still has water in it, but, of course, uh, the edges are all mud now, which is where the cattails are. And like, for instance, when ducks are coming, getting attacked by predators like uh, eagles or hawks or whatever, they need to go into those areas to hide. Or if there's a bad storm coming in, they need to go get and hide in those areas. And those areas just aren't there for them. So it's not even just, you know, it's food resources aren't there. Uh, bringing their broods out to the water for safety isn't there. Um, it's going to be a different season. Now, one thing we have around here that actually benefits when it's drier is wild rice, which is what the ducks love. And the crop of wild rice is absolutely insane this year, and it is thick. I mean, it looks like six-foot-tall wheat fields going across lakes right now. Um, that should help hold the ducks around and bring ducks in. It'll be really interesting to see with how dry the Dakotas are, and even their 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 ag fields are struggling just because of lack of water, if the migration will push a little bit further east into Minnesota, and a lot of people think that this year. And we'll kind of get an early taste of that right away with the fact that for the first year we're having a teal season in Minnesota that starts on Labor Day weekend and runs for four or five days. I think it's the 4th through the 8th. Um, and it's a test that they're running, and so it'll be the first opportunity that we get out and able to, sh- to hunt this early in the year but also uh, be able to get out this season and hunt. I don't think – and there's really nothing anybody can do about this other than pray for rain, right? That's pretty much it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, a wet fall would be great, but I know the farmers don't really want to <laughs> hear that on the radio right now because they're not going to be wanting to to pick fields, you know, in mud. So yeah. praying for a little bit more rain before harvest season comes around. we got a lot more duck talk to come later on in the show, but up next, time to check in with Dr. Andrew Hafes of Bemidji State University. Got another tough question for the aquatic biologist. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. 
Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Ask the aquatic biologist. It's time once again to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andy Hafes of Bemidji State University. Another tough fish question. Actually, some of these questions are, you know, the, the veteran anglers listen to this segment probably go, I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. But this is more, uh, you know, aquatic biology 101 for the rest of us. So fish are underwater. Um, so why does weather affect the fish bite? Well, uh, so imagine being out there on a sunny day and then there's a storm front coming in. Mm-hmm. And think of all of the things that change when that storm actually rolls in and goes over your head. The two really, really big things that I can think of that would influence the fish behavior would be uh, the wind and the light levels. Wind influences water movements, which is going to influence where a fish is located. There's just so much tied to their energetics that a fish that maybe was near shore isn't going to want to be once the waves start crashing in, just because they'd have to be fighting that current. So that's the basic biology behind that one. The other one is uh, light levels is just huge in predator-prey interactions. Walleye is a great example to use for that. It's entirely possible that you're on this clear day and it's sunny out and the only people that can catch fish, you know, catch the walleye during that time are the expert anglers and then it gets cloudy and the light levels change. And that shifts, uh, you know, the advantage into the walleye's court because they can see better in low light conditions than most other fish. And so wind picks up, little chop on the water, which also reflects light mm-hmm. right? and low light, the, the clouds come in and, and shut the light down too and might turn the walleye bite on. Now, uh, there's probably a lot of anglers out there, too, that are like, well, the weather came in and then I couldn't catch them anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. I was catching them before that. I'm not necessarily certain that that's t- preventing the fish from biting. It's oftentimes that, in my opinion, that the fish will have to respond to the light or the wind conditions and they move or change a little. And it takes the angler time to catch back up and find them. So that might be why the bite, you've heard the bite shut off. Yeah. Right? I don't know uh, <laughs> how often the bite shuts off, you know, um, but I do know that behaviors change from fish and it probably takes anglers a while to adapt to those changes is what I suspect is going on. So so let's talk about a thing where it's not quite that dramatic. Yeah. It's not a storm coming in, but cold fronts, you know, wind is about the same, you know, speed, um, and it's still maybe sunny or maybe still cloudy, but it goes from, you know, there's a 10 to 15 degree air temperature drop. Why does that affect fishing so much? That's a great question, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> First, I would uh, just a couple of counterpoints. I think that the situation you just described there is probably pretty rare. Yeah. Where it drops 10 degrees and light levels and wind did not change. Okay. I think that's extremely rare. And at the same time, I also think that probably influences an angler's ability to fish if it does drop 10 or 15 degrees. Now, it, water takes a long time to change temperature. Yeah. So 
I'm having a tough time in that situation that you described where the only thing that changes is temp- temperature. I don't think that would change the fish bite. Okay. So it's my, it be, I can't think of a reason why it would. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing out a, a scenario that is probably, you're right, not very yeah. realistic. Most of the time when there's a cold front, other things happen. It's the same thing with um, pressure. You've probably heard about, Yep. you know, everybody's probably heard about that. I haven't been able to find, uh, v- there's very limited scientific evidence that says pressure influences fish bite. Yeah. I, you know, I think there might have been one study on crappie, uh, and that was it. And we did a lab study on pressure, and we couldn't change their feeding habits with pressure changes. Yeah. So I, I, it's my opinion that these big changes that you see in the bite are related to light levels and current more than pressure and temperature. But Okay. Well, you know, and, and we, we see that because we when we have our greatest temperature changes, as things get cold in the fall, the bite actually gets better. And then even during ice fishing, I mean, it's different, but it, it, it can be darn good. Yeah, for sure. And those changes that you're talking about when we switch into the fall and all those types of temperature changes do influence fish bite for sure. But that those are actual water temperature changes that happen, and that puts... You know, every fish has its optimum temperatures that they want to feed at, and it's best for them biologically. And there are sweet spots, right? Yeah. It turns them on, you know, and gets them going when they're in that optimal temperature range. And that is going to happen. You know, you see the the classic example would be for walleye, right? Spring, then you get into midsummer, it's too hot for them, and it shuts down, and then back into the fall, picks back up again. Yeah. Uh, That's related to temperature changes in the water, which is matching with their metabolic rates. So. Right, and uh, and obviously in the fall also, I mean, they're uh, biologically trained to prepare themselves for winter when they're going to be less active and just trying to try to maintain through the through the winter. Sure. Okay. Anything else on this topic? I just remember being a kid in the boat with one of my buddies, and there was a storm front coming in. It was a big storm front, and he, he he's like, we got to stay here and fish. The bite's always best right before the storm. And I was like, we can't get out of here. It's lightning over there. <laughs> We're rowing in opposite directions trying to. <laughs> so, uh, there's definitely strong opinions about this talk, to- topic, and that's fun. Oh, I, I know musky anglers just love it. If it's if a storm's yeah. coming, as long as the lightning's not going, they, they want to be out there because it seems to, yeah. they really do seem to get more active. Yeah, and there is definitely something related to that. And I you have no doubt that that occurs. All right. So. Andy, thanks as always for the information. It's always fascinating to talk about fish and why they behave the way they do. Yeah, glad to be here. We return to the duck conversation with Dalton and Scotty from Ducks Unlimited. You're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. The Big Ducks Unlimited Banquet coming up, 50th annual Bemidji Ducks Unlimited Banquet on September 9th. We're talking with Dalton Rosine. He's the new... Regional Director of Northern Minnesota, and we've also got the former Regional Director of Northern Minnesota, and now the National Non-Traditional Fundraising and Promotions Director, or as I like to call him, the guru of Bucks for Ducks, Scotty Anderson. So what are we seeing, guys, as far as, um, you mentioned populations down a little bit because, uh, because of breeding this year, but overall, what have we been seeing the last few years for ducks in this area and, and the upper Midwest? You know, it's been... Uh it's been a fairly, it's been down a little bit the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of what we depend on in Minnesota is the migration coming through. And what's really hurt Minnesota is just the lack of 
you know, the warmer temps late into the year. And instead of giving those, the, getting those temps that just trickle down throughout, you know, October and into November, it's been warm. I mean, last deer opener, it was 70 degrees on Sunday. And that's just not going to move ducks from Canada on down. And, and th- what we've been struggling with a lot is just the fact that it's all of a sudden just got cold in a snap. And then that just moves everything at one time. So you kind of just have a very limited time where a lot of birds are moving through and you're able to get out and hunt them. And that, that's been a challenge for a while for us up here. It's just we haven't had that steady transition into winter. Yep, and we saw that even living in Indiana. I mean, the, the migration path, I mean, if I remember correctly, up here you guys got, what, 12 inches of snow in the middle of October last year, mm-hmm. and then it was 70 degrees on deer opener. Pretty hard to ducks to move on a consistent basis on a migration when you have varying weather patterns like that. So, I mean, the, the godsend this year is if we can get a, a consistent – weather pattern to go from fall to winter that's going to be a godsend i think so hopefully we get back to that and i've talked to scott about this a, a lot what i what is so unique about whether it be ducks or any waterfall or even if it's non-game fall is is the fact that you can't really say you got a population of x numbers of ducks in minnesota these are transitory beings you, you know how many fish are in a lake you know how many deer are in the woods, or you can estimate. Ducks, It's again, it's a, it's a multi-state effort. It's a multi-nation effort, really. And Ducks Unlimited is really a key part of that, correct? Yes. So we have projects ranging all the way from Canada to Mexico and um, anywhere from the breeding habitat down to the wintering areas where they spend their winter and migrate back to breed. So it's kind of like building a house and, you know, the the two most important things are the foundation and the roof, and that's, you know, the breeding and wintering habitats. So that's where we've spent a lot of our money recently, and now we're, you know, kind of putting the footers in between the house and building the rest of it. Right. I mean, buying land has always been a big part of things, uh, and I know you also work with uh, biologists and and that type of thing, but um, are these biologists who are you know, DU employees, or are you giving grants to colleges or, or other entities, or how does that all work? A little bit of everything. Uh, we do have uh, several biologists that are full time within the state. Uh, I think there's about six now. We also have a few engineers that are that are there as well too. But the biggest portion of how we get our work done is is partnering with state and federal organiza- or agencies. So the DNR, Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, and then even other just uh, nonprofit organizations within the state too, uh, the, the legacy grant that comes out of the cities that that you know back in 2015 maybe it was it was the one eighth of one percent of tax. I mean that that helps us get so much more work done. And uh, by partnering with these groups, it, it allows us to do bigger work too. I mean we did in 2020, despite the fact that it was you know a fun year, uh, we still got 28 projects done and did over 28,000 acres of habitat. Um, and it's, I mean, we're pushing just over, or just near 250,000 acres of habitat in about the last 35 years in Minnesota. So, I mean, uh, having those partnerships help us get more done and it helps us focus on what we need to get done as well too. Taking away the drought uh, as, as an immediate problem, which, which it is, but looking back, say, the last five, ten years and, and looking forward, what were some of the long-term things DU was concerned about as far as ducks' uh, population and health goes? Uh, I mean, the main thing is just loss of habitat. I mean, it's just, you know, whether it's uh, urban sprawl or development or, you know, just a variety of things, it's just losing the grasslands and the wetlands. I mean, they, they talk about the prairie ecosystem that, you know, we've lost 99% of it already. Um, and it's just how do you lose even that last 1%? And it's, and it's still chugging away. So, I mean, the, the first and foremost thing we do is, is look at where 
current habitat exists still in its you know natural state and we'll try to protect that and then we look at you know areas where surrounding those areas that we can try to connect and build and make those areas bigger and try to restore them so i mean it's the bottom line for us is just putting habitat in the ground and i mean the benefit is is that you know yeah our focus is waterfowl but when you put grasslands and wetlands on the ground it it provides habitat for all kinds of species, different game species, lots of non-game species, and even just the, the space for us to get out and enjoy it, whether you want to go bird watch, uh, do photography, or just take the kids for a walk. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're talking about you know having some nice uh, wetlands around here, but again, when you're looking at waterfall, you know, wetlands everywhere is just as important as wetlands in Minnesota. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely, especially when you talk about the you know, the, the flooding issues that could happen without your wetlands or, you know, the clean water and everything you get with it, too. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of pollutants going into that river still, and, you know, the wetlands definitely help out with that. And our biologists have done, you know, very good seminars with volunteers explaining the importance of it, and that's, that's just the addition, too. And in, in my idea, that's just as good as, you know, the, the habitat to go out and do our outdoor activities. So Ducks Unlimited has these banquets and other activities that are basically fundraisers. And, and is that, I mean, is that basically what you consider the mission of DU to do to, to make this money to use on conservation efforts? You don't have like monthly meetings or things like that, or do you? Or am I, am I wrong on that? No, I mean, pretty much. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff we put online that people can check all the time. But I mean, for, for our aspects of it, when we talk about the fundraising banquets, that's what helps drive our entire organization and put the habitat in the ground and turn the lights on and do everything. Uh, you know, when we plan those events, yeah, there's usually two or three months of meetings to, to help organize those. And there's, there's other stuff that happens throughout the year to where we bring in volunteers to learn more about the organization and, and the habitat work, uh, state conventions, things like that, district meetings, uh, and just getting together just for barbecues sometimes and chatting about it. But um, for the most part, yeah, there's not, a, there's not a monthly meeting that we go to every year and, and uh, sit down and go through the, you know, the, the minutes and the rules and all that stuff of the organization. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly upon the focus of the, the event system. And people are fine with that because uh, clearly you, you've got a ton of people that are involved in these banquets all over the, uh, the region. Yep, absolutely. And the volunteers are the biggest part of it. I mean, they're, they are the driving force of it. And there are some very dedicated people for the Ducks. And at the volunteer level, they're the perfect fit because they, they know the local. That's why we have a grassroots fundraising system because they know, they know the local area and they can spread the news that we can spread to them. Okay. Uh, once again, Dalton, before we wrap it up, uh, ticket costs, where do you get them? When's the big day? Big day is September 9th at the Sanford Center here in town. Tickets are available at mndu.org. And just scroll down to the Bemidji DU Banquet. You'll see a pintail mallard mix for the flyer. Just click on that link there, buy your tickets. Single ticket is $50. Couple ticket is $90. Table ticket for eight is $360. And sponsorship is $305.50 for the silver. And then we also have larger table packages available, and you can see what's all included on those online. What are we eating? Roast beef, I think. I think that's what the plan was. Yep. We were just there the other day. Shouldn't it be shouldn't it be roast duck. 
uh, we've done, I've I've been to banquets that have, have served duck before. One, it's not the cheapest thing to try to get. <laughs> Correct. And uh, you know, despite a lot of people like a lot of people, there's a big difference between farm raised duck and wild game duck. Yes. But uh, we we just it's a lot easier to find something that just fits it easily sure to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I and I gotta think, and I, I'm sure many, 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 probably the vast majority. Uh, and I can tell by the prizes you have, are, are duck hunters or hunters of some sort. But I think, you know, just average Minnesotans really appreciate seeing ducks fly and hearing ducks quack and watching them swim. I mean, that's part of why we live here. So, I mean, it's it's part of our, uh, it's part of what we, what we want in our daily lives. For sure. And uh, yeah, and it's, we, we do get a variety. There's a lot of people that come to our event that are not duck hunters and it's simply because they're, Maybe they're there just to have a good time and go out with some friends, but there's a lot of people that realize the work we do doesn't just focus on ducks and it's it's clean water and it's it's habitat for deer and pheasants and grouse and you know tweety birds whatever you want to call it they're all they're all a part of the same system and uh, they I think a lot of people realize that by coming out and supporting us there's going to be benefits towards that as well. And Dalton, uh, you know the 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 other banquet that's going to be very close to us is the one in Walker. Do we have any details on that for those who might be interested? Yep. So the event just got posted last week. Uh, tickets are available for sale. Um, you can see the ticket prices and everything online again at mndu.org. It's at the Blue Water Lodge, just outside of town, and tickets will be avail- uh, available. So get them early because that's a, another big banquet, and they are back at full capacity this year. So it's going to be back to normal so it's going to be full halls okay that's dalton rosini he's the regional director of du and uh and of course scotty anderson big dog now director of non-traditional fundraising and promotions he may grace us with his presence at some point in the future but uh, we were glad to have him today guys thanks for being here thanks for having us thanks for having us again go to the ducks unlimited website to get your tickets for the big event next thursday september 9th at sanford center 50th anniversary of the Bemidji Ducks Unlimited Banquet. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast so you can listen at your leisure and get some good bonus coverage too. (laughs) 